U.S. men's national team loses to Honduras in the opening round of the World Cup qualifying for the 2014 Cup. This is the SBI Podcast. I am Garrett Cleverly back from vacation in Honduras is Mr. Ivis Galarsip. Ivis, how you doing? <laughs> I'm doing pretty well, yeah. I was on vacation in the murder capital of the world. That's uh, that's how I roll. I know. it's it's you know I can only imagine if the U.S. won, if you would have made it back alive. Well, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because I was there in 09 when they won uh, the game to clinch World Cup qualifying and uh, put Honduras on the verge of, of being eliminated. And uh, and the fans were actually great. The the Honduran fans uh, clapped the U.S. team off the field. So they're, they're, they're not sore losers like like some other countries that will remain nameless, <coughs> Mexico. But, uh, you know, uh, I, I, you know, they were definitely happy, though, on Wednesday to, to, to win that game. It was, a, it was a big party. and. A real relief for those people. Well, I'm sure they were, Ivis. That game was uh, mixed emotion, I think, for fans. You know, I, I don't think there is a, uh, a way to fully describe what the issues were for the team, though. Um, I mean, there's there's so many things that you can look at. The team is flat, the, the back four, maybe the inexperience issues. I mean, from your vantage point, I mean, obviously, always watching a game in person is a million times different than watching it in TV. But from your point of watching it in person, though, I mean, what did you see out of this team that that maybe we would have missed by watching it on TV? I, I think we both. I think people that were there and people that saw it on TV saw the same thing. You know, a, a, a U.S. team that just got outplayed, out hustled, and outworked, and just it just a, as bad a performance as you you can remember from them in a game of this magnitude. Honduras was just the better team, and it, and it was it was interesting to see a U.S. team. Uh, looks so tired, looks so fatigued, and makes so many mistakes. Uh, you know, it's one thing to be, to have a to be outplayed, but it's another to just have mental breakdowns like they had, and and also physical breakdowns. You had guys like Jermaine Jones who who had to leave the match with cramps, and 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 other people looking really slow and, and sluggish. And uh, at the end, after that match, it was just it was definitely a lot of uh, head scratching from from the U.S. players because you know they they felt coming in that they, they were confident about their chances. I don't think any of them expected to to lay an egg like that. Yeah, but confident about their chances, though. I mean, watching the game, Ivis, this team doesn't look like it has confidence at all. It doesn't look like it has swag. They don't look like they know what they're doing on the field. I mean, you say they have confidence going to the field, but when I'm watching it on TV, they don't look like that at all. Personally, that's just my opinion. They don't look like they're confident at all whatsoever on that field. Well, I mean, you know... they came out flat, no question about it. Uh, I, you know, lack is it a lack of confidence? I don't know if it. I I, I don't know if you can go, say that so much because I mean, at the, at the end of the day, you're looking at the squad and, and and where those guys play, and you know, a lot of guys playing in big leagues around the world, and you know, I, I don't I don't think it's you know, I don't think those guys lack confidence. I mean, if anything, they they need they, swag. Was, then they need some swag. Well, they, 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 they need well, something, you know what, man. Cohesiveness was not there. Uh, obviously, experience in those kind of games wasn't there. I mean, when you think of about the fact that the back four combined had zero hex games before that game. I mean, none of those guys had ever played in in a hex game, a hex World Cup qualifier, the final round with the most pressure. None of those guys were there. And it's Jurgen Klinsmann's decision. You know, he ended up benching Carlos Bocanegra, going with Omar Gonzalez, and and you have to you have to question that decision because the way things played out, you know, it, it certainly looked like they could have used Bocanegra's experience on the field. Well, Omar had a good game, I think, for most of the game. However, though, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And that mental mistake that he had by, by I don't know what, I mean, Howard came, I mean, the, the, the whole play was a bang-bang play, but Gonzalez sort of came back and gotten that ball. I mean, that, that's always been my biggest concern with Omar 
is his mental brain farts in the game. And, and he seems to do this a lot. And I don't watch, I mean, I, don't, I can't watch every LA Galaxy game. And I'm sure Galaxy fans are, are going to sit there and go, oh, well, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. But when, every time I watch Omar, though, every time I always see during a game something that he does that I just will scratch my head and go, what, what is he doing? That's either a poor clearance or a poor pass. I bring it back to the Houston Dynamo in the, the, the MLS Cup. I'm pretty sure, I mean, Gonzalez, yes, won MVP in that game. Yes, I, I know everyone, he won MVP. But if I believe, off, off the top of my head, I believe that he had a mental mistake where either Houston scored or they should have scored in that game. I guess he seems to be having these mental brain farts. I mean, is this just because he's inexperienced or what, what's going on there where he just has these hiccups during the game? Well, to go all the way back to the beginning of your soliloquy, I can't see. I don't know anyone say. It. I don't know anyone could say Omar Gonzalez had a good game. He he, he looked shaky. He looked nervous. I found the beginning though. In the uh, beginning, was, what, the anthem, maybe national anthem. Oh. He, he knew the words. That's about. That's about it. Listen, he he didn't play well. Uh, I, I don't. I wouldn't say he was the worst player or the worst defender. But he looked. He looked unsettled. You know, he he looked like uncomfortable, and, and there was definitely some communication issues there. And. Uh, I thought for me, Jeff Cameron w- was the better of the two center backs. Not that either was great, but I thought Cameron was better. And like you said, you know, at, at crunch time when they needed someone to make a play, he fell asleep. He 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 stopped playing long enough for for Jerry Bankston to sneak in on a on a ball and and, and bury it. And that that, that kind of stuff's unforgivable. Because I mean, obviously, that at the end of the day, that costs you a point and it, it puts you in a hole. And now the U.S. is in last. In the group, and after 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 week one, and the thing about about Omar Gonzalez is, it's like you said, you know, he he in his career he's had those moments. I think more so early on in his career, and, and I think once he 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 got some more experience, he 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 got took that stuff out of his game in MLS play. He, he did have some you know some questions, some shaky moments in the playoffs, uh, but for the most part, I thought he was still outstanding. Uh, but when you're talking about this level. Uh, I think it's just it's there's growing pains there, and, and I know a lot of people are just saying, "Hey, he's just not ready, or he's never going to be ready." Uh, but you know, for me, I think it's one game. Uh, I don't know if I'd give him another start. I think you have to bring Carlos Bocanegra back. But listening to uh, to Klinsman after the game, it sounds like he's it, you know reading between the lines. It sounds like he's looking ahead to 2014, and he's trying to figure out who he can count on, who he can build up, who he can get experience. And while you can understand the point of that, at the same time, you you can't risk not qualifying by playing inexperienced defenders mm-hmm. like that. Well, especially getting ready. I mean, what happens if he's looking too far ahead? I mean, that that could spell doom for this team. Right, no question. And and that's the thing. I mean, when you look at Jeff Cameron, I mean, for me, you know, people, obviously, he he's someone who should start. He's playing regularly at Stoke City. But at the same time, he's not playing. He's not playing center back. So mm-hmm. if if you have a guy who's not playing regular games at center back, who has maybe nine now ten game, starts at center back for the national team, to stick him in a game of that, that magnitude next to a guy who who has so little experience like in Gonzalez, I mean that's just kind of a you know recipe for failure. And and I think you saw that there was some disconnect between those guys, and and it hurt him. And and I think when Jurgen Klinsmann looks at that. He's going to have to seriously think about bring either bringing Carlos Bocanegra back in mm-hmm. or turning to someone like Marisa Du to play center back. Marisa Du, who came off the bench and played really well yep. for the U.S. team. So, you know, if it, I'll tell you what. If Jeff Cameron and Omar Gonzalez are starting against Costa Rica on March 22nd, there's going to be a lot of questions asked, especially if they don't, if they don't step up because – they just they didn't show anything to suggest that those should, that should remain the the center back pairing. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, Maurice Sadu came in. I thought he had a fabulous game. 
Um, I mean, the other thing too that that I also thought hurt hurt, excuse me, was that Sasha Kleshin came in and he had a very, very, very poor game. Uh, he was playing left mid. Um, he did not have a good game. I mean, Jermaine Jones. I thought he had a good game, but I mean, he seemed like he was gasping for air the whole entire time. I don't get, I don't, for some guy who has an unlimited amount of stamina, he always seems to be gasping for air. I can never figure that out. Well, I, I mean, I don't know if I'm putting anything on Sasha Kleshton. You know, he got brought into the game. He put played out of position on the left flank, going up against speedy wingers on Honduras. He, for me, you have to point the blame at the midfield, the central midfield. Danny Williams was an absolute horror show. He, he was outplayed. If you look at the heat maps for him for that game, and he had the heat, he had the productivity and the activity of a player who played five minutes, and he played, you know, obviously fifty plus minutes. It, he just didn't show up, and it's it's definitely an, an alarming uh, game performance for him. And the thing for me is he's not playing for his club team. He's struggling for minutes at Hoffenheim. You have Maurice Sadu, who has found a great loan move to Bursa Sport, is playing many minutes regularly now. He had four games. In a row in a couple of weeks in Turkey, so he was match fit. How do you go with Danny Williams? And, and I think they paid the price for that because he was just overwhelmed, overmatched. Honduras ran him ragged, and, and he was embarrassed. I mean, at the end of the day, for me, he, he was just flat out embarrassed. And this is the second straight game for him that has been like that. I mean, remember, the Russia game, the Russia friendly, he had an absolute shocker. So now this is two games in a row, played in his position, the position he told all of us back in September after the Jamaica game in Columbus – I'm finally playing my position. This is where I belong, and you'll see how good I am. That's pretty much what he said, to paraphrase. But that's not what we've seen now. For two games in a row, he's been awful. And I think Maurice Adu showed enough uh, in his cameo and coming on coming on as a sub replacing Williams. He was outstanding. And now, you know, if he keeps playing at Bursa Sport, for me, you have to start him. You have to start him uh, in that defensive midfield role uh, just because, you know, Williams just isn't getting it done. Yeah, and that I, I it's just I just it just seems annoying that 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 it's not annoying it sounds pathetic but it just seems like we're having the same conversation over and over and over after every single game. Um, you actually had a chance though after the game to talk to Tim Howard. Uh, audio sounds like they're behind a tractor. Everyone, that's the team bus. Ivis talked to Tim Howard uh, behind the team bus. So if you're wondering what that tractor is, that's that's the team bus right there. But, Ivis, you had a chance to talk to uh, Tim Howard, and he spoke about how he thinks the team can get better. Yeah, we can get better. You know, I think uh, I think you have to be demanding as a center half. You know, you have to make sure when the team is flat that you're, get, you know, that you're getting guys on their toes and you're, you're yelling and you're demanding things. And it's, it's listen, these guys are putting a good shift in front of us, you know, the, the midfielders, and it's tough. But uh, it, it's on us in the back to make sure we're... Uh, we're communicating and putting people in good positions and yeah it's you know when you're young you don't listen when you're young it's it's hard to yell at Michael it's hard to yell at Jermaine these are big characters but that's what we need to do you know um and and that that's that's what it's going to take well as as you can hear from Tim's comments I mean he 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 wasn't biting his tongue on on the the disappointment the overall disappointment with the performance he uh you know he himself he had he had a really good game could have did a little better on the winning goal you know he came out he didn't get to the ball and Maybe he thought Cameron had a better shot at it, but you know he he as one of the veterans on the team, you know Tim Howard's going to speak his mind, and he let it be known that that by no means uh, was that an acceptable performance from the U.S. Well, I think it's important for a guy like Tim Howard to speak his mind and and tell these you know young inexperienced 
players on, on how they need to play better. And and he even said the same thing himself that these inexperienced players need more time to gel. They may, they might have not even played together before in any game, you know, let alone the hex. It's a learning experience, that's for sure, you know. And uh, I think it's I think it's really a, a, a missed opportunity, you know, to, to grab a point on the road. Um, but yeah, you got you have to you have to take your, your bumps and your lumps and and kind of grow from it and get better. It's you know a back four is all about gelling and taking time to gel. And we've talked about that talked about it at the last World Cup, if you remember. So. Um, you know, we'll, we'll ho- hopefully we can learn from it. But having said that, it's a frying pan. There's no time to learn. You know, we you gotta gotta get it done and gotta get it done quickly. Well, if you can take, we have one takeaway from from his comments. What I found interesting was his point about the the defenders and the center backs, especially needing to be more vocal. And it's interesting to note that you know, if you're a play, you know a young player like Omar Gonzalez, who's a relative novice on the national team. Uh, you know, is someone like him gonna gonna speak out and and scream at his midfielders to step up or or, or play better, and, and that that's where inexperience can play a part. You know, if you if you're, I, I don't know if Jeff Cameron's someone who who had any trouble, uh, you know, speaking his mind. But if you're an Omar, I can picture definitely an Omar Gonzalez, not not you know feeling uncomfortable with having to, to tell people what's what and and telling a Danny Williams he needs to step up or or Michael Bradley or Jermaine Jones that they need to step up. They need to make a play. They need to run. They need to close things down. Uh, Tim Howard pretty much alluded to that, and, and and that's another another point on the whole Carlos Borkenegger absence is, you know, Borkenegger has the experience in these situations, and he he always puts himself in good spots. He he's also very vocal uh, as far as helping teammates get in good positions, and I think that was missing. Uh, that obviously energy overall was missing, but I thought that, mm-hmm. without a doubt, I thought communication was missing in the defense. Well, especially the communication. I mean, for for me, it just it just seemed like the team had had just no natural swag out there. There, there just no no rhythm. And and Tim Howard talks about how this team needs to work on a better rhythm. I think we probably need more more, more energy on the road, you know, uh, away from home. Like I said, it's okay if you have to sit in and form a shell. You know, that's one that's one thing, and that's okay. But you still, even when you do that, you still need to get about the ball and close it down and get out to the flanks. And so, uh, you know, again. So guys don't have options with the ball once they get it? Is it that guys are under too much pressure? I mean, um, the similarity between the two games, not being able to hold the ball, sending it down. Yeah, it yeah. I, I think we need to find a way to, to get a better rhythm. And what I mean by that is sometimes just the, the ticky-tacky four- and five-yard passes just to make them have to get behind the ball and defend. Because essentially what they did today was uh, it wasn't a great pitch. You know, they, they waited for us to try and make a killer pass, turn the ball over in bad areas, and they and they counterattacked us. You know, uh, and they did a better job at, at possessing the ball, making us shift and move. Um, and, yeah, so we we, need, we do. We need, we need more options. We need to be more patient. It's hard to come down here because it's, you know, they, they pressure you into. You, you don't have to be a mind reader to kind of get a sense from Tim Tim Howard that uh, the the midfield just isn't getting the job done. The attack isn't getting the job done, and it's putting a lot of pressure on the defense and on Howard uh, to to keep making plays. And it is true that there's just no sense of of kind of rhythm or or control of the game and and and. The U.S. just really throughout that game, there were very few points in the match where where you felt they had any sort of control, and and that that's a big you know that's a big loss for them considering when you look at their midfield and you talk about a Michael Bradley, a Jermaine Jones, and and, and Danny Williams, all players in big leagues, uh, and also Clint Dempsey. I mean, if you want to count him in in that kind of midfield mix, if if you if you want to look at that line, roster, that lineup, and call it a four four two or a four three three. Either way, the U.S. has players playing in top leagues, players who came into this game in form uh, for the most part, but they just, you know, as a unit, they just were awful. 
Well, when you talk about just just how bad this loss was, when you look at the rest of the CONCACAF, Ivis, I mean, the USA dodged a big-time bullet by both Panama and Costa Rica tying that game, and then Mexico and Jamaica also tying that game. I mean, how huge was that now when you look at this loss that both these other teams tied only earning one point each? I mean, this loss could have been a lot worse if Mexico, let's say Mexico got a win, and then Costa Rica got that win. But, you know, USA now is only one point behind four of these teams now. I mean, this loss could have been a million times worse, but, I mean, huge bullet dodge, though, when the other two teams tied, when the other two games were ended up in, in a tie. Well, that's one way to look at it. Uh, you know, for me, I, I think the the more accurate way to look at it, at least with the Mexico-Jamaica game, is that the fact that Jamaica was able to get a point uh, is not a positive for the U.S. I mean, I know U.S. fans, the natural inclination is Mexico had a f- bad game. That's the best thing in the world. <laughs> While that may be true on, on a certain level, you know, at the end of the day, every, no one, no one it honestly can expect Mexico not to qualify. Mexico will qualify. They'll get their act together. They have way too much talent. They're going to be there. So that being the case, you what what if you're the U.S. and you're kind of concerned about that fight for 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 one of the other two spots, you have to figure out who the teams are that you can beat that you could finish ahead of. And by most projections, Jamaica is one of those teams. So the fact that Jamaica was able to go to Azteca and take a point. Uh, on the road in Mexico, that's huge for Jamaica, and that gives them such a a, a morale boost uh, going into this qualifying. That that now they, you have to look at them as a serious threat. Now you have to say, you know, there there is no team in this group that 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 couldn't possibly finish in the top three. I think Costa Rica, Panama, definitely agree. That's a huge huge result for the U.S. because neither of those teams uh, took three points, and those are two teams that you figure the U.S. is going to be competing with to try to get in. I mean, for me, I think Honduras and Mexico, uh, I can absolutely see those two qualifying, and the U.S. should be the yep. third team, but they have to hold off Costa Rica and Panama and Jamaica. I mean, you don't want to go... I mean, we, you don't want to be that fourth team and, and have to play possibly New Zealand. That's probably going to be the matchup coming out of the uh, out of that matchup right there. I mean, the, the fourth-place team of the CONCACAF has to uh, play the first... Uh, place team of the uh, Oceania um, Conference right there, uh, qualifier, excuse me. I mean, USA doesn't want to be that team that's down there, but I mean, I just, it, I, I just, it just seems that the USA just continuously just seems to be getting these breaks in qualifying by other teams messing up. I mean, how, how can we explain this when, when you, when it, it just, it always seems that USA will always somehow shoot themselves in the foot, but they'll catch a big break. Uh, honestly, I just think it's a case of the, the region being tough and this hex being really tough. I mean, you, 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 there are no weak, really weak links in this group where, you know, and maybe in in the past in the hexagonal, whether it's been because the second round matchups or the second round groups were, were disproportionate. But I really feel this time around, that these are the six best teams you could have picked out of out of the out of the entire region. Uh, you know, I can remember the last qualifying cycle when you had in the second round of qualifying. You had kind of a group of death with, uh, you know, Honduras, Jamaica, Mexico, and Canada. And, and you know, I thought that that Canada team was pretty good and that Jamaica team was pretty good. And, uh, you know, they ended up getting eliminated. And you had El Salvador making the hex. And, and that El Salvador team, while they did cause some problems, they, they were kind of a weak a weak link in that group. And But this time around, uh, it's hard to say. Look at any of these teams and say, you know, this is the team that's going to finish in last place. You know, most people would have said Jamaica, but look at them now. You know, they, they've got the point. They pointed at Azteca. Maybe Panama now that, that they've dropped points at home. Uh, you have to look at them. 
as as the the, the loser the in this whole mix because they're probably the team you you'd probably say now is is really you know not looking too great. Well, it helps out the U.S. immensely too. That when you look at the next round, Honduras is going to be playing Mexico. I mean that that could really help out there if Mexico and Honduras tie, and then the USA is going to take on Costa Rica on March twenty second, and then a little later on USA takes on Mexico in Mexico on March twenty sixth. But let's look first though at the first game on March twenty second when the USA is going to be hosting Costa Rica at Dick's Sporting Goods Park in Colorado. What do you expect out of this team? I mean, I think you've already said that Omar Gonzalez will not be playing in that game. Well, I mean, we're talking six weeks out, so a lot can happen in in six weeks. But let's time. just say, let's just say right now, let's just say the game is tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, let's just come on. Let's just say that the game is tomorrow. You're the coach, Ivis. Does Omar Gonzalez make the starting roster? I, I, I absolutely not. I mean, I, I, that's not. I mean, I think most people would agree that 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 you have to bring Bocanegra back in if he's fit, if he's playing, he's got to be on the field. I know a lot of I know a lot. There's a good group of people. There's a good group of fans who've written him off, who who who, who insist that he's lost a step or two, and that he just doesn't have it anymore. And you know what? He's that he has he has lost a step. But to say he doesn't have it anymore, or to say he's not good enough to play in these games, I, I think that's just just off base. You know, I think he still brings enough to the table that you want to put him on the field. And and you really can't afford to be thinking about oh, you know, we want to develop our center backs for 2014. We got to give our young guys experience. You know, there's other times to do that. There's the Gold Cup. There's home, you know, home qualifiers as opposed to you know throwing Omar Gonzalez in in Honduras. Uh, but now that that the situation is where it is, I don't want to call this game a must win, but it's 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 you know pretty close. It's pretty close because if you're the U.S. and you lose this, you know, you don't want to even imagine losing a home game. But if you tie this game, you're going to Mexico City with one point two matches. And 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 staring at the possibility of having one point from three matches, which is disastrous. So needless, needless to say, you need three points against Costa Rica. And if you need three points, you need to put your veteran out there. You need to put Bocanegra out there. You can't play games anymore. You can't try try to you know get a, a young player experience. You need to put your best team out there. And I think for right now, Carlos Bocanegra is still a guy you put out there to have your best 11. Well, when you look at the team that the uh, USA had, uh, the U.S. men's national team had for the starting four in the back, going into that game, all four of them combined, Timothy Chandler, Omar Gonzalez, Jeff Cameron, Fabian Johnson, had 33 caps, all four of them combined. You look at a guy like Carlos Bocanegra, 110 caps. That's a significant number right there as far as the jump. And now when you look at guys who may possibly make this roster experience-wise, Steve Chirungolo, well, he he just, he, I mean, he just had surgery, so he's probably not going to be playing this game. You got other guys that had caps. I mean, Jonathan Spector, okay, he's not going to be in this game. Onye, okay, he's not going to be in this game. And the only other guy that has a significant number of caps is Clarence Goodson. Ivis, is he a possibility to come back on this team? Well, I think that'll depend on on his playing situation. Uh, if he's getting games regularly and he's fit and 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 match fit and ready to go, I think for me. If you're if you're Jurgen Klinsmann, you have to think about okay, Maurice Dude needs to be in my starting lineup. That that, that that's got to be the first thing on his mind. Then he has to ask him ask himself, do I put him in as a defensive midfielder or do I play him, consider playing him at center back? And, and you know, for me, I think you put Bocanegra at center back and you put Maurice Dude at defensive midfield, and I think it would significantly help uh, the U.S. team. And you're going to go up against the Costa Rica side with some dangerous players. 
Brian Ruiz is a serious, yes. serious player. Very good uh, player. He 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 bailed. He saved their lives uh, in the first in the first game against against Panama. Hit a bicycle kick equalizer in the 86th minute. It helped them rally back from two zero down to take a point in Panama. So you know they're going to come in with some confidence. And you know while while I know I'm sure some people will say, oh, you know Brian Ruiz is going to uh, torch could possibly torch Bocanegra. <laughs> you know what? I don't think Omar, Omar Gonzalez is going to win a track meet or a race with Brian Ruiz either. I think what Bocanegra brings is the experience, the positioning, the ability to put teammates in in the spots they need to be, uh, and also I mean, he's also a threat on set pieces as well. So I mean. You got to put him back on the field. I mean, I, I know what Klinsman was trying to do. I know, I know, I know what he wanted to do. But it, you know, you've already lost points. You can't, you can't play around anymore. You can't experiment anymore. You have to go with the experience. Yeah, and he needs to figure that out pretty quickly. I mean, Marisa, too. He he showed in that Mexico game that he can play center back, back there. So I mean, you're going to have an option now between. Adu, Bocanegra, and Jeff Cameron, guys who could play center back right there. Or maybe move Jeff Cameron up, put Marisa Adu there. It's going to be quite interesting to see what they can get out of this, though. You know, I have one position we, we have yet to even touch on and talk about is the forward position. Josie Altidore, you know, I, I think he had a good game. Is that, I mean, can you say that? I mean, he didn't do, I don't think he did anything great, but I think he had a, a good game, though. Absolutely not. I thought he really? was non. No, he was invisible. He was non-existent. I mean, I, I don't know any other way to say it. I don't, I, what can you possibly look at from that game and say he had a good game? Well, I'm he trying got, to be optimistic here. But, well, you got to be realistic. I mean, the, <laughs> I mean, you know, I love, you know, he's having a great year in the Netherlands. He was great on our show. He was not great in Honduras. I mean, and and I'm not going to put all the blame on him. I mean, obviously the midfield didn't bring didn't bring the service. He's a player who relies on movement. Of his teammates in service, and there just was none. There was no, there, there was no fluidity to the attack. There was no movement. Uh, the goal came on a great pass from Jermaine Jones to that Clint Dempsey hit perfectly. Yes, uh, there was a nice bit of brilliance, but but other than that play, I mean, there just wasn't much uh, attacking build up to speak of all day. I mean, you know, the the closest you came, uh, you know, you had there was this one Eddie Johnson cross that uh, Altador nearly got a, a foot on to, to put it on frame. But there just wasn't much there, and and you know, I know people who, the the detract the Josie Altador detractors will look at this as another example of him not doing anything, not getting the job done. And and while I'll agree, yeah, he didn't get anything, he didn't get anything done. Uh, you know, if if there's no one moving around, there's no one getting the passes to him in dangerous positions, he is just not going to produce. And and that, I don't know, there are no there are no forwards in the pool who can do. Who can produce with the with that kind of service? So that's the issue. You have to fix. For me, you have to fix the midfield. You have to figure out which players will, will actually help produce chances uh, before you go pointing the fingers at, at Altidore and Eddie Johnson. Well, you know, he, he also had a quiet game. Although at least he tried to take some people on and 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 put himself in some spots. But you got to fix the midfield and you got to start creating chances before you get on the forwards about not finishing. Well, that that brings up a point here because Eddie Johnson had I think he kind of had just kind of a, kind of a lost game. I mean he he played he played on the the wing for a while, then going into the second half he played a little more on top. Would a guy like Hercules Gomez who has a high work rate, nonstop running? I mean he, he's a grinder throughout the whole entire game. Do you think he? would have made a difference in this game by having him on the field. I was surprised that he didn't start. And, and I, I can't help but wonder if there was a, any kind of you know physical issues with him. Um, I know he didn't train on Monday in Miami when I was down there. You know, he was getting, uh, he was getting treated or 
stretched out uh by the by the the staff there the medical staff so i don't know if there was an injury concern there or, or you know since he played on sunday but you know he he's he's he brings so much energy and that to the lineup that i was really surprised to see him especially in a game like this mm-hmm. in this kind of environment that you know that kind of he's he's a player that has that kind of experience playing in these games uh you know he plays in mexico he, he's that he plays that he's played in the heat and all that so I thought he would have been perfectly suited to put in the game like that. And, uh, you know, when you have Eddie Johnson playing almost as a left left winger uh, and, and away from the goal, uh, you know, it, it just kind of rendered him invisible. I mean, he, he, he obviously got the ball a few times and he tried to take people on. I give him that. You know, he tried to on, a, on a couple of occasions to take people on. You know, he lost far more than, than not uh, in those situations. But, again, it comes back to, you know, if those guys don't get service, that – they're just not going to score. They're just they're just not those kind of players. There's none of these guys are messy or or a Garo or, or somebody you know someone that's going to run through a whole defense and score. That's just they're that's not who they are. They need someone to set them up. Whether it's Michael Bradley, whether it's Graham Zusi, you know, getting playing time, or you know, if Breck Shea gets healthy, they need some people to provide them service. Whether it's in the in the you know aerial balls or through passes, there just was none of that. I mean, it was just none of that at all. Ivis, I wish we could go back in time and somehow transport the 2001-2002 Landon Donovan where he was just putting his head down and dribbling through players and, and bring him onto this team. You know, now when you look at Landon Donovan not on this roster, I, I think, you know, having a player like him that, that can provide the veteran leadership on the field, the experience, um, the playmaking ability on the wing, th- this team... I mean, I know everyone said that, oh, this team has done well and has learned to play without him, but I think this team needs him to come back and, and, and be on this team, and, and, you know, hopefully he can get his mind right. Right. I mean, you don't need 2002 on him. They they could use current Landon on him, uh, but with his head in the game, and obviously that's an issue. Um, but they need a player like that. They need someone who, you know, get, has the energy in midfield, can run at people, can provide service. And right now, as far as the players that that, that Klinsman's putting on the field, those guys don't have that. And and it's a, it's glaring how, how much they need a player like that. And and not only that, with Landon Donovan's experience. I mean, the fact that this was the first meaningful hex game for the U.S. that didn't have Landon Donovan in it since the summer of 2001. I mean, that's that's crazy when you think about it. It's a long time. Uh, right. And and, and they, they've relied on him so much, and they still need him. And, I mean, no, one, no, you know, no one's saying to go knock on his door at home and beg him to come play. But, uh, you know, if you're Landon Donovan, I mean, if, if that game didn't get your juices flowing and, and make you say, screw this, I'm getting my, I'm, you know, time to get <laughs> in action, time to get on the field. Because for me, I cannot picture Landon Donovan not being in the lineup when they go to Mexico City. I know what I know how much it's meant to him throughout his career to go to Mexico City and play there and win there. And and for me, you know, I I just think this game just showed why he's still important to this team and why why you know while you know the, the, no one's gonna of all the players they're gonna say yeah we, we've gotten used to playing without him. You know, we're a good team. We don't need him. Not that anyone said that, but there's kind of that sentiment. They still need him, and and Jurgen Klinsmann, you know, he needs to put in a call, find out where Landon's head is, and and see about getting him back in the mix because they need him, uh, they need his energy. Well, do do you see him getting back into the mix? I mean, even for that first game against Costa Rica, I mean, do do you, do you, I just okay? Let's say you're an odds maker. What do, what do you put these odds at? Well, here's the thing: he's not even training right now. You know, he's not with the Galaxy. 
uh, and we're six weeks away. So he hasn't trained at all. Uh, his fitness, you know, although throughout his career, he's someone who has never really needed much time to get get back his fitness. I mean, he's just naturally a naturally fit guy uh, and usually gets it back pretty quickly. So the clock's ticking, though. I mean, we have six weeks now before that Costa Rica game. Really, five weeks if you if you talk about when when the, they'll report to training camp. So he has five weeks to not only join the galaxy, get fit, and then be ready for the start of the MLS season. But then to start, but then to get a few games under his belt before that. So if it's going to happen, it's got to happen soon. Landon Donovan needs to show up at Home Depot Center within the next week or so, and 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 <laughs> let Bruce Arena know I'm ready to go. Yeah, man. You know, and if he's not, if we don't hear from him in a week, if in the next week or two. He's still not back. Then you can write him off. Then you can say, you know what? It's time to seriously just close that door because if he isn't, if he doesn't come back for those games, if he doesn't come back for the game in Mexico City in Azteca against Mexico, for all that means, if he can't get himself up for that game to come back, then he's a lost cause. I mean, for me, he's a lost cause because wow, just throwing. I'm telling you, knowing him through the years, it's like you know, I've been, I've been down there. I was down there in '05. I was down there in '09. Uh, and I've, you know, in Mexico City, the games down there, and they, you could see what they meant to him. You know, I mean, he played with the swine flu in '09. Uh, he was there in '05 as a young player, set up the goal, uh, and and he he was, you could tell he, how dejected he was after that game. He wants to beat them down there, so that's why for me, I think that for all this, you know, I need time, I need space, I need to like clear my thoughts, all this and that. For me, I just can't imagine that he won't be back for that. And if that if if he doesn't come back, then I'll then that'll just tell me you know what he's lost. That's it. it he's lost the eye of the tiger. He it's it's time that it's really time to close the door. Well, that's it's 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 weird to really think about that, Ivis, and, and kind of let it sit in that Landon Donovan might not be on this team um, anymore. All right, Ivis, let, let's look ahead though. Uh, the U.S. men's uh, under twenty roster. For Concacaf qualifying was announced. Uh, you know, it, it seems you know. Obviously, every U.S. men's national team is always looking. Uh, fan is always looking to to anoint that the next guy as the guy who's going to be up and coming for this team. I mean, this team is going to be featuring some big people like Luis Gill, uh, Southampton goalkeeper goalkeeper Cody Cropper, and Galaxy midfielder Jose Villarreal. Stole that from your website. Do you like how I did that? All right, Ivis. When you look at this roster, though. Um, you know, are, are there any guys that, that, I mean, Mikey Lopez is on this roster, uh, just got drafted to the sport in Kansas city. You know, when, when you look at this, are there any guys that, that are going to be standing out to you that, that we should say, okay, this is someone that you're going to want to keep an eye on during qualifying at, uh, in, you know, at the end of February. Well, you know, the biggest issue for this U S team going in is their defense and can their defense, uh, come together and, and be good enough for them to qualify. I think, I think attacking pieces, they, they've got some really good attacking pieces when you talk about Luis Gill, someone like Benji Hoya, uh, who's uh, currently a Santos Laguna player. He's someone to keep an eye on. Will Trapp, the Columbus Crew rookie, is another one, uh, the Akron product. He's someone that you're going to want to definitely keep an eye on. And uh, also Mario Rodriguez, the former U17 player, uh, who, who's a Kaiser slaughter. He's, he's another one who you, want, who you might want to keep an eye on. But I think the key for this team is going to be getting that defense together, and Tab Ramos is going to have to put together. It's funny. It's funny how we were just spent a part of the show talking about the the problems with center backs on the national team, and it's and and it's the same issue on the U twenty team when when you talk about you know Walker Zimmerman who who would be a lock lock starter on this team. You know he's injured now. Uh, we 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 had him on the show. We had him on actually on episode one of the SBI podcast. 
he's someone who would be starting on his team. But he's still not back from from whatever you know the the sports hernia slash groin issue that that's been plaguing him. He's not going to be back in time for that. So that's a big loss for them. So, so you know they're going to have to you know turn to some other players. Shane O'Neill, uh, Colorado Rapids homegrown player, who's probably going to have to start at center back for them. And also Boyd Okwano, who's a FC Dallas Academy player who plays for the North Carolina Tar Heels. Those are guys that you know it's it's going to be key for those guys to play well uh, if they're going to qualify. Well, one of the biggest uh, names that's missing from this roster is Mark Pelosi, uh, the Liverpool product. Uh, he was added to uh, Liverpool's Europa League roster. I was, is this like is it kind of? I mean, I understand. Yes, he, he got added to the roster, but you know, when, when seeing that the reaction that that the fans have had it. You know, they seem to be mixed and confused on this. I mean, why happens if he really doesn't see any minutes in the Europa League? I mean, is is that going to prevent him from, you know, from from missing out on this experience to to gain more exposure with the U.S. men's national team and 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 you know, just exposure in general? How, how big is his absence from this roster? Well, I'll tell you, I think it's. I mean, it's. I think it's disappointing. You know. It, he obviously Liverpool putting him on the Europa League roster shows that they really rate him as a prospect. Uh, but at the same time, I can't imagine he's going to see playing time in the Europa League. I mean, if he if he gets on the field in a Europa League match, then you can look at it and say, okay, you understand what Liverpool was doing. But unless he unless that happens, I mean, I think it's that pretty. I think it's an absolute joke that they wouldn't release him for a, a qualifying tournament. Of this, of this, you know, importance. Of, you know, obviously for Liverpool, you know, they probably don't, they could care less about what Concacaf and this and that. But at the same time, uh, you know, someone needs, someone. I'm sure Tab Ramos or someone from his staff, I'm sure, let them know. Listen, this is an important tournament. Uh, if the U.S. is, you know, the U.S. could end up not qualifying for the Under 20 World Cup, and it happened the last cycle. Uh, but you know, it, we'll we, we'll see what happens with Pelosi now. You know, I mean, if Liverpool is serious about. Uh, you know, advancing his, his development. If they see him as a prospect that that they have big plans for, then you kind of you know what you can't you can't hate on it. You know, you can't knock it. They're going to play him in your in your games. That would be nice. But for me, I, I find it hard to believe they're going to actually put him on the field in Europa League games. Well, when you look at the qualifying, qualifying is going to be taking place between February 18th to March 2nd. That's uh you know up, that's coming up here in 11 days. Uh, it's going to be hosted. In Mexico, so I mean, everyone's going to want to obviously pay attention to this, Ivis, because you know when, when you look at the current U.S. Men's National Team setup, there are some guys here who 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 look guys we've mentioned before, Bocanegra, guys like that who are starting to get old and and they may not be around in, in the 2018 World Cup. I mean, I already know that you are starting <laughs> to make that master list for the 2018 World Cup. Uh, I, honestly, I'm not. I'm not even looking that far ahead. I mean, I can tell you that. 2014. It's tough enough trying to figure out who's <laughs> going to be on the 2014 team, let alone the 2018 team. So I mean, you have you Walker know. Zimmerman on 2018. I know that. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's someone. Uh. Who, you know what? In his age group, uh, you know, he's someone who who projects that way. But I mean, obviously, who knows? You know, I mean, you know, players things. So many things can happen with time. Um, as far as this U20 team though uh, goes, I mean, it's it's a it's there's not a lot of American players who are playing. Uh, professional high level pro games at this age and that's a problem and, and that's still something that's developing at least now you have a Luis Gill someone who played quite a bit for Real Salt Lake last year he's going to bring some experience some good experience to the table but other than that though there just isn't a lot on this roster and that's where uh, you could fall into a tricky situation and that happened the last cycle uh, with the last U20 team that lost you know the one that lost to Guatemala in Guatemala when, when you have 
when you have a, a group that just doesn't have that experience in, in big games, uh, the talent doesn't really matter because if you come out shaky and you're playing an inspired opponent like Guatemala in the last cycle, uh, you know, that Guatemala team was playing at home and they just had that motivation and they just outplayed the U.S. And, and you could definitely see that happen again if they're not careful. The la- yeah, in the in the U.S., when you when you look at the qualifying, the, the U-20 team has been in from 1997 to 2009. They qualified between those years. 2011 was the first time of recent that they did not qualify. It, it, you know, some of this, Ivis, is this part of the U.S. men's national team fandom where where you know obviously soccer is exposed on TV 24/7 we, we have access to to you know the Europe leagues are are we expecting too much out of our players when when you know our development system maybe hasn't been able to catch up yet oh i would agree i would agree there i think people don't realize how how far behind uh we are when it comes to developing young players and and obviously that's why we're seeing the big changes that we're seeing you know when you talk about MLS uh, taking the measures that they've taken now uh, with their partnership with USL Pro uh, academies, uh, putting more and more resources toward toward MLS teams, putting more resources towards MLS academies. Uh, you know, there's progress being made, but at the same time, you still have an issue where young players aren't getting in quality games, and I, and that's what I, and that was a, it, it, that was an issue at the last under twenty qualifying tournament. It was an issue at the last Olympic qualifying tournament and it's going to be an issue again here where you know the talent is there there's there's some good young players but it's not enough that you can sit here and say okay this team's going to qualify no question it's too strong because you know what these guys these kids haven't played they just i don't haven't played much i mean some of the you know obviously there's college kids who have college experience but you know that's that's not the same thing you know is going down to mexico playing in front of hostile crowds and 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 playing uh teams that you know that, that will have players that probably have more experience than them well, hopefully this team can can deliver because when you look at it, I mean, Mexico in the last cycle for their under tw- under twenty three team, I mean, you look at the success that Mexico's been having with their youth, and and now that that's transitioning to their senior team, you know, it, it would be nice to be able to see that that uh, you know a U.S. you know under twenty team just blow it out of the water, so that way I mean, maybe it can give hope to the future and maybe propel one or two of these players into the senior roster. I, I, I know. I understand that that a lot has to happen for that to happen, actually. But you have to hope and, and be optimistic that, you know, eventually that, that one of these teams is going to click and it's going to produce the next, you know, I guess, quote-unquote, golden generation of, of the American soccer player. Right. As far as this group, there is some good talent there. But I don't think anyone's going to mistake this group with the golden generation. You know, I think, I think it's still a work in progress. And the fact that there's so many college players in this group tells you that there's still kind of a lacking uh, <clears throat> of pro talent uh, at this youth at this youth group. Uh, but as I said before, I think progress is being made. MLS academies are, are getting stronger, uh, and now you, you you know you have this this agreement with MLS and the and USL Pro. It's going to give younger players a chance to get more games. Where guys like look at this roster: Mikey Lopez, Will Trap. If those, you know, the, these are players who are going to be on MLS teams this year, if they were in MLS five years ago, they just wouldn't have anywhere to play. They wouldn't have games to play. Now, you would think those are, kind of, are, are the kind of players that maybe go out on loans to USL pro teams so they have a chance to get some, you know, some a lot of games under their belt. So I think I think the steps are being taken to help work on the young players. But for now, I think people might want to temper expectations when you talk about this U- U.S. under-20 team. 
Well, Ivis, as, as we wrap up the show here, I always want to give you, you know, the platform. I mean, is there anything that we, that we you know, when you look at the U.S. men's national team, uh, CONCACAF region as a whole, the game coming up, upcoming in March 22nd against Costa Rica, I mean, is there anything that, that we didn't touch on that, that, that you think that this U.S. men's national team needs to really focus on? Well, I mean, you just have to look at the CONCACAF region and realize that how much stronger it is. And I know some people still they hear they hear they hear Honduras, they hear Costa Rica, they hear Jamaica, and they think, oh, there's no way we should ever lose to them. We should never drop points to them. We're America. We're better. <laughs> it's it's embarrassing if we lose. It's embarrassing if we tie. And that's just not reality. I mean, Honduras is a very very good team. There's a reason that that team went to the Olympics and got to the knockout rounds ahead of Spain, you know, and pushed Brazil to the brink. I mean, they have talent. They have talent. So, you know, it, it, the U.S. did play terribly. You got to, uh, you know, you will say that. But at the same time, Honduras earned that win. Honduras is that good. And and because of that reason, for that fact, the U.S. has to step their game up because it's not about just USA and Mexico anymore. And if they're not careful, it's going to be about Mexico and Honduras and US and the U.S. is going to end up in the back seat. So the pressure's on now. The pressure's on Jurgen Klinsmann and the pressure's on his team because they just – they flat out laid an egg in the opener, and and they have six weeks now to, to get their act together, get, you know, get their things situated on the club level, and and get their games, you know, get their sharpness together, because in six weeks' time they they have two games that you know if they don't get at least three three points, preferably four, they're in a lot of trouble. That that's just a spooky thought to think of that if this team walks away with only one point after three games, in this. Uh... 2014 World Cup qualifying. Well, Ivis, thank you so much uh, for going down to Honduras. Uh, I'm glad that the uh, that you made it back safely. Oh no, thanks. I'm sure I'm sure you were really worried about me, and I just I'd like to let everyone know that yes, it is dangerous down there, and yes, you should be careful. <laughs> but listen, I, I whenever I go out on the road, whenever I go to another, uh, no matter the country, I go out. I go out. I see the city. I go out at night. Because that's what you do, you know, like for me, like, you know, if I'm going to go to part, different parts of the world, whether it's Jamaica, South Africa, Honduras, Guatemala, I'm going to go out and I'm going to see what it's about. And you know what? Like, generally speaking, you're going to find good people. Uh, you're going to find good places to, to, to have a good time. Uh, you, you can't be you can't walk around on eggshells. But at the same time, you have to be diligent. And you have to be careful. Um, but I, I, I'd say that for my second second time coming going down to Honduras, I had a good time. And the people agree. Well, Ivis, I can only imagine how you blend in like a chameleon in any any situation that you go to. <laughs> that, that's a good way to put it. You know, I, just, <laughs> I just, you know, I put on my hat and I put on my, my fake mustache and, and I can fit it anywhere. Oh, God. <laughs> well, that wraps it up for the SBI podcast. We want to thank everyone for listening to the show today. As always, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes. Search SBI podcast. It's the one without a picture. We are still working on getting that picture. We'll hopefully have that up soon. We always appreciate your comments in the comment section. This is the SBI Podcast. Thank you for listening.